1: So how you do now?
2: Not too bad. Good on, Ron. Good to meet you.
1: Likewise. And tell me, how did Halo Care start?
2: Yeah. In uh, so we had a previous company called NetWatch for uh, twenty years, which was monitoring uh, security products. And in twenty fourteen, we started a company called NetCare, which was designed to do a very similar job, but to monitor um, devices in the home to help elderly people to live. Um, you know. Pretty much on their own or unassisted so yeah. these devices were the forerunner of what we're doing now which is monitoring activity monitoring things like steps you know sleep time in bed and any outliers or any alerts um, that were generated were um, were sent to our monitoring center now netwatch pretty much took off on steroids in america about uh, 2014 and really to be honest you, we just got too busy we didn't have the management time we didn't have the bandwidth and we didn't have the funds to fund Netcare. So when we um, we moved on from Net from Netwatch in uh, 20, uh, 2019, myself and David watch my business partner, uh, had been thinking about uh, a logical next step, and uh, we started a company called Halo Care. And in the intervening years, the uh, the technology has just uh, you know really ratcheted up in terms of its capacity. But on a more personal level, uh, my mom lives with me, and uh, she's currently very close to 100, but yeah. uh, very well. And uh, a couple of years back, she had two falls uh, close, very close to each other. And in both cases, she had a traditional panic button, what we call a panic button, which is just a device hanging around the neck, um, which goes to a monitoring center. And she fell and she was on the floor for um, four hours one day. Um, she fell early in the morning and I went in to, to uh, as, as I normally did in the morning, and she was lying on the floor, she had, she had woken up, but she couldn't get up. And I asked her, you know, later on, how come she didn't press the panic button to, to call for help? And and really it turned out that she had an infection and she had a bit of confusion. So really what we, the more we, we looked at this, you know, we hear countless stories of how people have these devices where you're supposed to press the button. But, you know, look, elderly people fall and there's a reason for falling. They're either confused or something is happening. So they may not know to press the button. And in one case... Recently, we had an elderly lady who said that she didn't want to bother anyone by pressing the button. So to cut a long story short, we got together and we decided that, you know, this would be a space that was similar. It would be technology that I understood. Um, and we decided to uh, launch Care. And then so Care itself, then we've been trying to stay away from those wearable type devices. And we have a suite of technologies that just sit in the background in an elderly person's house and um, it doesn't have to be an elderly person but predominantly it's elderly people that we support and uh, it sits in the background and they look these devices look for things like falls and trips, maybe excessive time uh, spent in bed, like if they normally if a person goes to bed every night at 10, 11 o'clock and gets up at 8 the next morning that's fine but if they don't get out of bed by a certain time or if they don't move in their bedroom or if they don't move in their kitchen or if they don't use their kettle or something like that, then we can the, the artificial intelligence can look at these rules and say, hey, we've got something different here. Something is wrong. And then we can decide what to do about that. Um, and that, what we can do is we can obviously contact the circle of care, the family, contact the person themselves and see if everything is OK. So, you know, that's, that's what we do. And, and the technology really we're trying to stay away from any type of, of wearables. The only time we use a wearable device is if someone leaves the house. Then we have a device, especially where people have dementia and things like that. They can wear a watch that does some tracking and some monitoring with two-way audio and a fall detection. So that if someone with dementia maybe finds themselves away from their home, can't remember how to get home, or maybe falls or gets lost, then with the device, we can talk to them, we can contact them, we can see where they are, and we can get them help. So that's pretty much how... I, a care yeah,
1: I got a friend of mine who has an Apple Watch that does that has a fall detection, and a couple of years ago he was walking and he slipped, and when he slipped, his phone, his watch, contacted his phone and told his phone to call to call nine 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 because he he was injured, so I rang up nine 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 and uh, and then I came in the phone and said um, we got we got an emergency call are you okay he goes yeah yeah I'm fine I I I just slipped and my phone detected that I that I that I'd, that I'd fallen and dramatically call 999 and you thought it's great to have that but at, at times as you said when you're in the house if you got technology that can do that it's great and you only not need to spend expect to have no have no wearable device that does that so how does it yeah act? so yeah
2: sorry so we, we have uh, we we worked with a, um, a technology partner a hardware manufacturer we don't manufacture technology we're all about software on the platform and the service yeah so, so we have a 24/7 hub here Uh, staffed with people, um, nurses and care operatives. So they take the calls from the devices. And the device, for example, our fall detector, it just sits in the corner of the room, mounted on the wall like a regular security device. There's no cameras. We have no images whatsoever of the inside of someone's house. So we do not use cameras. And that device is scanning the room. And if someone falls, it recognizes that they've fallen. It looks for the size and shape of a person falling. It can eliminate things like pets and carers and that. And it's very useful, you know, if an elderly person may be getting out of bed, trips, uh, something like that, then the device just knows that they've fallen and we can contact the person. We can talk to them. And if we don't get an answer, obviously, we can escalate uh, what happens. So we, you know, because sometimes the problem with wearables, as I say, is my mom didn't press her wearable. But sometimes people don't put them back on. They forget to charge them. You know, there's a lot of reasons. Yeah. And certainly wearable technology will get to the point where battery life is so long that you maybe don't have to think about charging them maybe every six months or something like that. But we like to try and keep the technology in the background. We don't want to have to put a load of devices into someone's house. I mean, fall detection technology, you know, can be pretty chunky. And as I say, if someone doesn't wear it, and the very time they're not wearing it, maybe is the time they have a fall. So our devices sit in the background. On top of that, we can measure stuff like heart rate, respiration, Stress levels, movement, steps, and you know, you know, steps are very important. Again, if someone takes three thousand steps a day, four thousand steps a day, or they get up in the morning and they walk so much around their house, if these patterns change, then these patterns can indicate that something else is is wrong. Yeah. Um, and we have we have some artificial intelligence and some algorithms in the background that are looking at what normally happens in the person's house then when the rules are broken or or, or, or something unusual happens you anyway, know it might be that for example the front door is left open there's a couple of things like that that we do as well so maybe someone that has early stage dementia leaves the door open, leaves the back door open, maybe walks out to the garage and then can't get back into the house so stuff like that we look after as well
1: and also the AI, can it, like when he said the texture falls, can it determine from the fall what kind of injury it could be serious or, not, or non-serious
2: yeah so the so from the fall detection, we we get some scores. It it can tell us the type of impact that a person has, and it can tell us whether they're actually on the floor now at the moment, and whether they're moving. And obviously, we can talk to them directly as well. We have a a, a, a method of talking to to different rooms in the house, which is and everything we do is wireless, by the way. Yeah, there's no cables here, no broadband. This is all, this all happens through a little central hub so we can talk to the person and we can see how they are and we can see if they're still lying down on the floor um we wouldn't we do have uh, access to stuff like heart rates and that but we wouldn't really if someone has fallen and if they if they can't react to us then it's a serious fall and we need to we need to be able to help them you know
1: because yeah. for me the ai has come on eats and bounds over the years when technology the way it is now ai is probably going to be the core center of of, of what technology you're using cuz it helps you determine what help to give to that person? I, th-
2: I think, you know, AI by its by the by, by the, the name has been sort of overused in a way. And I think some people might even be scared by the by the concept of AI. But you know, I, I, I liken it. Like if 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 you look at some of the 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 connections that we have in a in, in a home. So for example, if we're looking at um, you know how someone is moving or how fast they're moving, they have moved in the house their level of activity within the house moving around the house we have signals for example whether they've used the fridge the kettle the microwave as well because they're also indicators whether someone is eating and and drinking water we have um, and then if if someone is is on our clinical system whereby we are looking at stuff like heart rate and and pulse rate and stuff like that all this stuff happening in the background the best human brain in the world can only process so much information but artificial intelligence can look at you know, maybe fifteen or twenty data points here, right across what's happening to the to the person, and it can it can it can start to come up with suggestions and maybe even predictions based upon the huge knowledge basis that it has in its background. And I, and I use diabetes as an example. You know, if a diabetic is a healthy diabetic and they're managing themselves well, then that's fine. But you know, as a diabetic gets older. If you take diabetes and then maybe if you also have something like dementia yeah. and maybe some heart disease, then there are well-proven algorithms out there and there are companies that know what will happen to an elderly person as these diseases progress. It may be a fall, it may be a stumble, it may be, you know, God forbid, we're, we're, we're nearly at the stage where where these algorithms could eventually predict something is going to happen. Yeah, You know, can you imagine being able to predict the stroke or been able to predict a heart attack or to predict some type of, of, of event like that.
0: And I think I think that's where we're going. Um, and I think this can this can happen in the background
2: without someone having to sit down in front of devices and plug themselves into things all day long. We're trying to keep these devices, you know, non wearable so that the stuff sits in the background and the person can get on with their life. Well
1: it has uh, it reminds you of a baby in a house and a baby's growing up, it learns its surroundings. So when it's learning to walk, it knows where it can and can't walk. It knows what it can and can't do. And the AI is learning more about that person. So like, I guess the baby who's growing old, is growing. The AI is growing. It knows more about your routine and what you do. And it might know, okay, so 8 o'clock in the morning, you get up and you go downstairs and you have your coffee. Then you might yes. go and have a shower and a shave and that kind of stuff. It knows, knows what you're doing. But one morning, it, 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 it sees you're still asleep. You're not going for your coffee. Something here isn't right. So then we'll go and check other parts, of it, like your heart rate, etc., and check, is that okay? And maybe you might say, oh, yeah, it's fine. Then they might look, oh, it's, a, it's Saturday. You're having a lie-in. Don't worry about that. That kind of stuff. <laughs> so no, it's a, like a baby, going out, a baby gets to know certain things, and when they're walking around, they can see where the can and can't go, and they're told, no, you can't go there because it's not safe, and you can't walk down the stairs because it's not safe. That kind of stuff. They learn from that, and they know yeah. what the can and can't do. And the AI is doing the exact same, and it knows what you're doing and learn, learns from you as well, which is great.
2: Yes, absolutely. And I think you know that's a great analogy, the, ba- the baby analogy. I think that, you know, and the important thing is you, you mentioned there, you know, some days people won't want to get up or they might get up later or whatever. That's not really the issue. I suppose it's where it's where we have something like that we can see a pattern happening over a period of time. So maybe someone is, you know, not drinking as much water, not using the fridge as much, yeah. maybe moving slower, then you know there are things changing there and that's the sort of stuff that we want to to pick up yeah they guess i don't think you know yeah, sorry, go on sorry. Go on yeah here. the the important, the important point as well we we have four pillars in in the service and i just like to touch upon them so there's the safety stuff which you know is is very you know is very traditional whereby if someone falls then we need to be able to get help uh, if someone falls we have a voice activated system so someone can call for help If someone leaves a back door open or if a door opens at night at a very unusual time, then we can get an alert. So we call that the safety system. On top of that, we've developed a social platform, which effectively is an age-friendly iPad. And, you know, COVID over the last number of years um, has has really changed, you know, the last year and a half, it's really changed the social circles and, and the connectivity for elderly people. So one of the things that we said to ourselves, you know, with all this these devices, what's in it for the person in the house themselves? So we developed an age-friendly tablet which allows video conferencing just at the press of a button. It allows, you know, in my case, for example, my nieces and nephews share, share photographs with my mom, as I said, who's 97. And we can all share photographs together. My mom can surf the web and she doesn't have to be using FaceTime, WhatsApp, or an iPhone. She's a simple tablet in front of her and she's connected then to the people in our Halo care hub and they can have a chat with her as well. And, uh, and it's a really simple device and a really simple um, concept. Just four buttons that you have to press. The, the other side of it then is we have a wellness service. So we have a full-time occupational therapy team. and they, they sit with the elderly person and they look and see what's happening from a nutrition, from a hydration, from a medication point of view. Are there other things that we need to look at as well? We're trying to provide a holistic service here, not just that fall detection and that. And the last piece is the true clinical monitoring, whereby we can measure heart rate, respiration, pulse, Now we, and blood sugar and stuff like that, and also weight. Weight is very important as a marker, obviously. These devices are all Bluetooth. We only use these in conjunction with a medical partner. So for example, we're doing a trial at the moment with a private hospital in relation to people being getting out of hospital earlier uh, post-hip operation. So they'll get a system of support at home, which will look at steps Uh, blood pressure, pulse ox because of COVID, obviously, uh, body temperature, and weight. And we look at that over a period of time. And they will also get, obviously, to um, press a button if they're in trouble, if they can't get up from a chair or something like that. So, you know, getting them out of hospital quicker, getting them into their own home and providing them with supports. So they're the four pillars that we work upon. And the clinical end of it, as I said, is purely for people who, when we have a medical partner. Can you imagine in a couple of years' time going to your GP, with a three-month rolling average of figures on your blood pressure, on your body temperature, instead of just presenting on a date to him and saying, there you are, take my blood pressure now. So, so that's where it's, it's heading. And, and as we flesh out more of the service, then, you know, we'll find that, um, you know, it'll be less obtrusive, obviously, and, and more encompassing for, for, for our patients.
1: Yeah, two things, one thing you mentioned, that tablet, it reminds me of the Doroth, Dorophones. There's a lot of people yes. that have got limited buttons. And also the fact that you can come home early, for me who lives alone, if I ever when I'm when I'm basically 80-90 and I have to go to the hospital, I want to come home early, the fact that I can come home early because these devices help me do that, that's even better.
2: Yes, absolutely. Um, you know, again, as I said to you, we looked at the whole we looked at what was on the market and really there's a gap from the client's perspective, from the elderly person sitting at home, we want to give them something as part of the service, apart from the safety. We want them, we, we, we really wanted to, you know, make connectivity and video conferencing, chat, messaging, secure, secure emailing. We wanted to give them that functionality. And, you know, look, at the end of the day, too, you know, the iPhone is a great product and Time, WhatsApp, they're all great products, but they can be hard to use for a person who's not from a tech savvy background. You know, we designed this with our Irish partners. We designed this to be just four buttons. Press a button to talk press a button to explore the web. And and even from the web perspective, like my mom is from County Clare, so I automatically put up the Clare Champion newspaper, the Carlo newspaper, RT News, the church services, and I have them up there automatically. She just presses a button and she can read the Clare Champion. She can get the local church service here in Carlo, all without having to start wondering about how to find URLs yeah. and websites and all that type of thing as well. And, and also- lastly... Yeah, so I go. we gave the circle of care so the family yeah. we give them the capacity if man says you know look I'd like to be able to read a book a specific book we give them the capacity to upload it to the device from the uh, phone as well so just simple stuff like that that makes life much easier
1: and for me the more important thing is because only four buttons normally with a device it's all about grip but if you're an older person with arthritis it's harder to, to do that yes, but if you are only absolutely. got four buttons that you're pressing that's not going to cause too much strain, it's only arthritis.
2: No, and, and even believe it or not, the device that we, we've chosen has a different tactile function. Elderly skin gets uh, less effective on, on screen surfaces yeah. as it gets older, so that's even something that we've looked at and we have a special device that just reacts to that type of skin uh, much much better than, than your, your standard iPad. Because we've seen people trying to press iPhones and press iPads where they're not getting a reaction. Um, at certain times of day even. So, so, you know, look, that's 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 where we're at. And we think that's going to grow too. Um, we now have users coming to us purely for that service itself. Um, but, you know, it's a technology, I think, that gives to the client and, and makes them more connected.
1: Yeah. In the future, what technology can you see being used more by you guys and others?
2: Well, I think, look, I think there's a couple of things that are happening. Um, companies like Apple are... You know, getting more and more into the health space, and I mean, a fabulous company. Uh, they're they're in the health space for a reason. You know, you could be cynical and say it's all about collecting data, but I don't think so. I mean, Apple, because of their you know huge reserves and huge capacity, the latest, the next generation of Apple iWatch is going to have a glucometer on it. Now, that's going to change. It's going to be revolutionary for people who are diabetic. Yeah. Constant monitoring of blood sugar. Constant monitoring of They're already monitoring heart rates and respiration and stress levels and activity. So, you know, I think there's a couple of things going to happen. From a hardware perspective, collecting the information is going to be absolutely seamless. It's going to be, you know, as I say, battery life will be maybe six months a year. God forbid, you know, we might have unlimited battery life. Uh, The devices will be neater and quicker and faster. The other side of it is crunching the numbers from this data. The the artificial intelligence and the sheer processing power and the cloud-based processing that's going to make working on this data so good. So, for example, you know, you know, if 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 the iWatch collects data from a million diabetics over the next three years, then the data sets that it is going to create in terms of how a person progresses with diabetes and maybe some other condition like a heart rate or a heart problem, how they how they progress with their with their general health, that's going to feed into even bigger engines that are going to be that are going to make the algorithms much more sophisticated and powerful. So we're definitely going to get to this level of predictive, um, uh, predicting events, predicting health events, and predicting the outcomes for people. There's two ways of looking at that. You might say that that might be slightly scary in one respect, but if you look at the good side of it, is in theory there's no doubt about it. Using all this data, we'll be able to predict a stroke. A heart attack, um, you know, some type of infection or something like that, maybe even some cancers. There's no doubt about it, that is coming down the road. So I see that being so exciting. And I just see from our perspective, software engineers developing the platform that accepts all this data in there. We will just plug in whoever has the best algorithm, for example, for COPD, for diabetes, for heart conditions. We will plug that into our platform because we'll be connected to so many users. And, and that will inform our, our, our assistance and our services to our clients. At
1: you know, the moment the Apple Watch can actually detect symptoms of coronavirus, you know, well, thing, it knows certain things, and it can tell you, basically, you got a cough, or when it knows what you certain things it goes, yeah, you've got basically a high temperature, you've got something else, and that says, high likely you could have coronavirus, go and, go and get checked out. Now, in the future, there's going to be, I'm, I'm sure there'll be other pandemics. In fact, yes. you will know, a smartwatch in the future that can actually determine uh, from the symptoms of a pandemic. If you've got them, it will tell you. You've got your symptoms. Go and get checked out.
2: Sure, absolutely. Look, it's it's so exciting, and and there's there's definitely so much there. And and, and you know, look, the other side of it is COVID really drove it home to people. You know, nursing homes—they're really great. You know, they have their place, obviously, in society. But you know, look, it wasn't it wasn't exactly the most positive experience for some people, and I think people will be saying, well, I want to live at home longer, you know, which is everyone's want yeah. anyway. I don't want to be in a nursing home. It's not going to be a logical choice for me. I'd like to stay as well as I can at home. Uh, and the other side of it is, I think, you know, ageing
0: in terms of numbers is is growing. There, yeah. there are more people living living longer,
2: and it's a problem or an opportunity for health services and governments everywhere to be able to, how am I going to look after an increasing number of, of, of uh, people who may be living with more chronic diseases, um, you know, uh, longer. So we feel that a, a service like Halo Care, you know, uh, if we approach it right and if we offer the right service and obviously if people have a good experience, we feel that um, it, it, it certainly meets a need uh, for a growing number of customers.
1: Well, to me, it, it kind of makes sure the HC isn't overburdened with patients. Because right now, you're in a pandemic or anything else happening, a lot of people who are older in hospital, they're going to be there longer because they're older. But if you can get them back home sooner in a safe environments that you know they can be safe in and they're constantly monitored, that's a good thing.
2: Absolutely. I mean, you know, again, government health services, you know, have to deal with the huge issues. And I think, you know, we can certainly assist in, 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 in filling that space between someone living at home well and someone moving on and being cared for in a nursing home and i think we can make that gap hopefully longer and and make it better for people in 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 the meantime and certainly we could assist you know the likes of the hsc and we have been having discussions in terms of how we could provide backup and assistance for people living at home um, you know in all types of environments rural urban you know, shared, we can certainly um, um, work there. So so we, we certainly feel that the, the, the future looks good there. Yeah. You know,
1: And also, I guess, in the long term, as I said before, mentioned before briefly about bed blockers. You, you know you want have somebody using the bed when it's early. They can go home and rest somewhere at home in the same environment. So it means there's less queues and less toilet queues, which is great as well.
2: Sure, I think. Yeah, and I think if you're if someone's going to come out of that caring environment in the hospital, then, you know, if you're going to, bring them home, then give them a, a range of supportive services that make sure that they're looked after, that, that their health is being monitored, that their safety is being monitored, that their environment is being monitored and potentially even that their clinical signs are being monitored if necessary as well. But do it in the home environment. Yeah, and I guess and right instead, yeah. instead of doing it once every three months or six months, as I say, maybe do it every day or every week and have that constant level yeah, of information. And I
1: guess right now when we're living in the pandemic, people might be anxious, well, at like the in hospital, if you can get in and out of treatment pretty quickly and then go back home and, and, and be in your, in, your, in your home, you know you're in an environment where it's less likely you're going to get catch COVID. That's not going to be a, a big worry Absolutely. or stress.
2: You know, we have a couple of um, fairly eminent uh, consultants and, and doctors on our board, and they'll, they'll, they'll all say that, you know, the fact that elderly people and people didn't get out over the last year and a half certain conditions have deteriorated because people didn't go to get checked out. People had lumps that didn't go to get checked out and that turned into more serious things. Yeah. You know, people had coughs, people had temperatures that turned into other things because simply, you know, do you want to go to a, to a crowded doctor's surgery or do you want to go to an A&E in the middle of COVID? Well, you know, the choice the choice is pretty pretty clear. Yeah. And And so a lot of people maybe didn't look after themselves or couldn't look after themselves enough. So again, I think you Know if we can provide that early warning and provide those, um, those uh, that that signs and then present that and 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 present that so that the people who really need to go quickly can be the ones that will go and then people who don't need to go can obviously stay. That's that's certainly going to be a positive, as you say. There's going to be more pandemics, god forbid, hopefully, hopefully, there won't be, but it looks as if this is here for a while, you
1: know. Yeah, and I know it's here for a while, and I, I've heard people saying. This is, this is this is just the beginning. There's going to be ones that are going to be worse than what we're experiencing now. And this is a time when we've got technology. I mean, 30 years ago, we couldn't cope with it now as we can now because technology wasn't what it is now. Now we've got it to an extent that everyone's got a, uh, a smartphone in their home. And that smartphone can do so much to help. And if that's linked in with the device you guys install in the house, even better.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think you're right. Technology certainly has its place to pay. It's not the panacea for everything, and there's lots of things that we can't do that a good, you know, care in the home, there's lots of things we can't do, you know, a good care in the home who calls from, like, from a home care company or the HAC looks after people in their home. We're not replacing any of those type of services. You know, there's things we can't do. We can't prepare meals for someone and stuff like that. Yeah. But for, for the times when those cares are not there or a family member can't be there, um, and, you know, we're finding that a lot of families are coming to us and saying, look, I'm looking after ma'am 24-7, I'm at breaking point, I need to be able to have some respite or maybe go shopping for ma'am or something like that and know that she's looked after well at home. So that's where we're finding our services coming into play as well. Yeah,
1: because I'm thinking, oh, you mentioned about shopping, if you have to go and do the weekly shop and the kids are at school and you're there alone with your mum and then, and your husband's away, or boyfriend is away working or something else, yeah. or you're a single mom and you got mum in the house, what do you do? At least with this, you're able to go to the shop knowing that Got some peace of mind and some security that if anything does go wrong, you'll be notified pretty quickly. As well. Absolutely,
2: absolutely. And we're finding a lot of people coming to us for that exact type of solution to give them some respite and give them some time that they can go and you know do something um, different as opposed to just being stuck there all day long. And you know, it is a vocation caring for an elderly person, but we've tried to make that better for 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 both parties. Um, and, and to provide some variety and make sure that mam or dad is still looked after at home, knowing that I can leave the house I say, go for a walk, and I'll be a better person for it and I'll have more energy to give back to mam or dad in terms of caring.
1: And I guarantee in 10 years' time, we're looking back on this, we'll be laughing, thinking, how can we ever wear with a vice that had a day, a day and a half, to, oh, five-day of life?
0: Yeah.
1: Well, <laughs> we could have a scenario where in future they're, they're solar-powered, and because of that, it's unlimited, it, it's unlimited. And it might no. maybe every so often you have to go once you get a service. Further than that. It's good to go.
2: Yeah. No, it's incredible. I mean, look, the technologies, look what's happened to electric cars, look what's happened to batteries in general. Yeah. You know, from the first the first digital watches, you know, where you put batteries in them, you know, the, these things, it, it, the, the developments that are coming are just amazing. I remember no back
1: doubt. in the 80s, you got digital watch and it had a built-in calculator. Well, that's yes, great. Right. And I then in one. the 90s, you got one <laughs> that had a built-in TV remote control.
2: Which yeah, thought.
1: That's impressive, and now you've got a now you've got a digital watch that actually looks after your health for you, which is something you, you can see. And the watch that I'm wearing now is the same size, is smaller and not as bulky as a watch in the eighties with a built-in calculator. Amazing, absolutely it's amazing. Yeah. It's, like, and it's got more power like than it oh. went, he went to the moon. Yeah, what a start, I guess. Like Star
2: Trek. Who, who would have thought that we'd have watches with video on them? You know, they had them in Star Trek in the 50s. Yeah. We never thought we'd see it see it coming through,
1: you know. No, I, I can remember when he saw it in Star Trek, I had these guys walking around with these portable pads. That, to me, was an iPad. You look yeah, at it, yeah, yeah that's going an iPad. Yeah. And then you, you see certain things, and then you're, you're seeing what device they're using. I'm thinking, oh, yeah, that. And then you can see soon in the future, other things I've got for checking help, it's going to be more or less always on, always connected. And yeah. some ways... We're going to have to get used to that, that we're always going to have an always on society. And in the future, that's the way, that's the price we're going to maybe have to pay to make sure health, health is looked after and make sure that if someone in your house is elderly, you can live your normal life. Because yes. you, you know that you don't have to worry, feel guilty about going out to cinema. Is mum home okay alone? Now you've got this device that checks that and makes sure she's okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's I'm means,
2: yes. Yeah. And before yeah, that's we it.
1: before we finish, anything else you want to add to the podcast, or you think it's that enough?
2: No, I think that's it. I mean, look, we're we're um, we're we provide our services. The last thing I'd say is we don't sell all these devices. So if someone comes to us for a solution, we effectively we sit and do an assessment with the family, have a look at what the person's needs are, and then we install the product ourselves and we monitor ourselves and we rent it yeah. as a service. So we have a daily fee for the service, and that can start off anything from five euros a day depending on the range of technology every family is different every person we don't we don't throw all this technology at at every person it depends on what the person's needs are some people are very well they don't even need fall detection other people don't need the social system you know so it depends entirely on what's required for the family and but the thing is we look after from start to finish and then we monitor as well so it's like a one-stop service it's not four or five different companies involved here i think that's important as well
1: to me, it's a bit like when you when you get your broadband, you get various speeds and and you pay for the speed you need and use. So kind of like that, you are paying for the device a monthly fee, Yes. and then the more the more speed you use, the more services you use, the more you pay. Which what well, well, you're yes. doing as well. Which in my view is great because not everyone's going to need to spend a hundred euro a month.
2: Yes, and and then we we start off small. The basic system has got a central hub, and we can bolt on that right up to the last you know, to the clinical monitoring if we network necessary. But, but it really, you can just build the system as your needs change as well.
1: Yeah. And also, I guess, I presume, if somebody already has a wearable device, you can bring that into your ecosystem as well.
2: Yes. Yeah, that's okay. right. We can talk to many, many different wearable devices depending it's, on the requirements of it.
1: Because to me, the worst thing is when you give somebody a system and you give some that they're not used to using or don't like using, and if you say, well, what you have right now will work with us, we don't have to change that at all. Stick what you're used yeah. to using.
2: Yes. Absolutely. Yeah,
1: yeah, very good. Right, thanks for that, Mil. Uh, have a great day and good luck in the future and uh, take it easy. Yeah, good stuff.
2: Right. Well, look, you stay well and uh, you you know, we'll talk sometime in the future. Cheers. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thanks. Cheers. Bye.
0: Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the latest Irish Tech News podcast. Check back every day for the latest episode. You can follow us on Twitter at Irish underscore Tech News on Facebook